All right, I am in Los Angeles on Wilshire Boulevard at the Condé Nast offices here. They're very swank, and I'm in Krista Smith's office. Hi, Krista. Hi, Nick. Um, so I usually do these elaborate intros. We have music. There's probably music playing right now, actually. But um, but I figured let, let's let you tell us a little bit about <laughs> you before we, we dive into to what we're going to talk about today. Wait, wait, I don't re- I don't rate like some some uh, lead in music. Uh, what what do you want to know? Well, so we, how long have you been at Vanity Fair? I've been at Vanity Fair a long time, as you can see. There's lots of uh, pictures on my walls of Hollywood covers. Uh, I think starting from 1996 with Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, and last year's behind me. But I've been in LA now 20 years, so it's a long time. And um, just to paint the room for people, uh, there are lots and lots of Vanity Fair covers all over the wall, as Krista has said. And there are also is a giant share uh, sign, mm-hmm. uh, which is apparently pretty famous in your office. Can you give us a little moment? Yeah, it's a, I like to say it's a little famous. Well, we when we photograph share for the cover of the magazine December. 2010, I wrote that cover story, uh, but I also, in my dual, my many jobs here as the West Coast editor, I attended that shoot, and we had this share sign built for her, of which she laid across it, and it's the opening spread in the magazine, and we thought, oh, it'd be great, we should have her sign it, and then we can eventually auction it off, and it, it lights up and and you you stole it you snuck it out i didn't actually steal it so she 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 signed it and then when the shoot wrapped and the next day we were clearing everything out the guy said we we can't move this like we can't really transport it we can only move it one time and i was like all right just move it into the office and so here it sat well it it looks very very cool um all right so let's jump in all right. Uh, I see a, a book on your on your uh, coffee table about the Hunger Games, and it seems like <laughs> Hollywood is in the midst of a kind of Hunger Games right now. Um, Harvey Weinstein, Roy Price. It's you know, uh, it's kind of chaos here. Um, the question I'm going to kind of start off with is: You've been doing this a long time. You've been here a long time. Um, it seems like this was all one big kind of open secret. Why do you think that is the case? Well, it feels like it's more of a reckoning, actually. Uh, I, I, I am struck by the fact that it feels like just last week this stuff started, but it's been almost two weeks and we're already, you know, there's already talk about, you know, Harvey getting in court. There's a, another rape case being brought up in L.A., I think that why now? I mean, I guess your question really is why now? And I think that, yes, it has been somewhat of an open secret. And I think that Hollywood has been built um, on this. If you go back in the glory days of Hollywood, the casting couch and uh, Jack Warner, and, you know, you'd hear all these stories. You read any of these famous actresses' bios from the 30s and the 40s and 50s. They all talk about it. So I think that it was something that was always kind of rampant. You know, the the standard of beauty in Hollywood is higher than any. Girls have to be likable and appealing and sexy and look good in a bikini. So it kind of starts from there. Go ahead. Sorry. No. So, so um, and no, it's interesting you say that because I, I was speaking to someone um, in the industry this week, and and they were saying, you know, one of the problems uh, 
with Hollywood is it is it is one of the only industries where you do describe people by what they look like, and you have to. You know, if you're casting someone who is overweight and balding or sexy and smart, you, you those are the the terms that you use, and so. They were saying kind of the same thing that that that's it's it is it is kind of germane to this industry because of that, but it doesn't. It seems like there's kind of a um, uh, there's been a big disconnect between how you get from that to Harvey Weinstein allegedly raping people mm-hmm. uh, for thirty years. Well, I don't think the raping was an open secret at all. Yeah. I, I think that is where uh, nobody I know had any idea about that stuff. I mean, we knew when I certainly was coming up, and I was in New York in the '90s and out here. Uh, later on. So in his heyday, you always knew he was a bully. I mean, I saw him get into fights. He was a screamer. He always had food on his face. He was loud. He was aggressive. He was mean. People were scared of him. And then he could kind of turn and be charming. Uh, But he created this independent film as, uh, you know, he was viewed as like the artist's distributor. But it didn't take away from his bullying personality. And he was lecherous and loose loose hands, and everyone kind of knew, oh, yeah, Harvey. You know, they kind of rolled their eyes. That's one thing. Why we stood for, why we allowed that to happen even then, I have no idea. I think there is a culture shift. But the reality is raping and this this basically systemic predator behavior, and you see these women coming forward with these stories. It reminds me of when Vanity Fair, when we were doing um, – going back with the stuff that happened in Boston with the Catholic priests where it's the same pattern over and over in the bathroom, the you know, in a bathrobe, in, a, in the hotel room, watch me take a shower. I mean, he'd been doing this for 30 years. So do you think that um, uh, that something will actually change now as a result of this? Do you think that there's, uh, that there's going to be uh, less of a opportunity for someone like a Harvey to exist in Hollywood um, as a result of what's kind of just happening in this moment? Or will it just be that they'll be more secretive and private and um, have better lawyers and things like that? Is it possible that both can exist uh, at the same time? I think, yes, it will definitely change. There's part that will that will, I feel like these women that have come forward and had so much to lose and were brave enough to do so has empowered a lot of other women. And it's also changed the dialogue around it. And I think a lot of the men are going to be instrumental in making that cultural shift in Hollywood. But at the same time, I don't think, (laughs) I mean, I, I wish I wasn't so cynical, but I do think it's it's always going to exist everywhere, not just in Hollywood. But I think that because there's such a spotlight on it now and in, in this industry, and like we were saying earlier, it's about women and the objectification of men and women that we're really ripe for a change. And I know I've heard I've been talking to people. We've been talking about nothing but this in the last two weeks. Yeah. And you go anywhere, and it's all anybody's talking about. And I think that people aren't going to go into meetings with actresses alone anymore. I think people are consciously like, I'm not going to ask someone for a drink, uh, you know, after a production meeting, if there's not someone else present. So I think there's going to be a real radical shift maybe in one direction, and then we'll kind of settle 
settle back into somewhere in the middle. But I, but I do think it's important for some of the bigger organizations to really set standards. And I think that's going to start happening, like the Disneys and the Warners and, and laying out the What do you mean by rules. standards? Like what kind Just of- laying out the rules for their executives and what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. So if someone crosses that line, it's one and done. It's game over. How do you think the, the it's going to play out for Harvey? Do you think that you know, there's talk of um, of investigations by police departments and so on and so forth, Scotland Yard, you name it. Do you think that, you know, he ends up in court, he ends up in jail, he ends up being sued and losing? How do you think this will, this will, this will play itself out? I think it is a tragedy. I think it's over. I think there's no second act. I think that if he's lucky, he just ends up in court. Uh you know, you saw pretty clearly how quickly this went down. Within less than five days, he was basically kicked out of the community, and there was not one friend publicly, at any rate, uh, standing by him. Instead, it was the exact opposite. You know, when you have Quentin Tarantino coming out and saying, I, I knew enough to do more, I think it's a real – people are holding up a mirror to themselves and asking, how did we actually think this was okay? So I don't think there's any world where – Harvey gets any pat on the back for coming out of rehab or, you know, anybody's there to, like, help him along. You know, he had a lot of enemies and well-earned enemies because of his behavior and how he treated people, let alone how he physically assaulted women, just people he dealt with. Yeah, he seemed like he was a complete asshole, to be quite frank. I mean, I I only interacted with him a couple of times, and those times I was like, hmm, not a nice person. Uh, I can't imagine what he was like to the people Mm -hmm. who had crossed him. One thing that I I have been kind of thinking about is, um, you know, there's there's these when you look back over time at the stories that came out about some of the women who it now appears were were clearly sexually assaulted by him. One in particular was the woman, the model who um, uh, who was on the the NYPD tape that the New Yorker published. Um, and uh, a couple of weeks or a couple of days later, I forget it was what it was, but the New York Post had a big cover story, you know, saying that she had tried to, according to sources, she had tried to bribe um, uh, Harvey Weinstein for a part and this, that, and the other. It's very clear that that was Harvey's hand. Do you think that that you know any of any of the media that covered this industry and so on and so forth will will change as a result of this? Well, there's no doubt that Harvey, you know, New York was his town. I mean, that was his city. He was the, you know, he was the big kahuna, the, you know, from Miramax and the Weinstein Company. I mean, Harvey was synonymous with the, uh, with the film business in New York. So he had a certain amount of uh, bravado. I mean, in terms of the media, I think we've seen how, you know, no one – I wouldn't assume that people in middle America know who Harvey Weinstein is. But suddenly this has become a national story and it's become a 24-7 national story where I think all the morning programs have had it on in one way or another and throughout the day updating and, and digitally. So I think that they are changing the way they cover it. And, I mean, I was thinking about this knowing we were going to talk today. And I do think there's an element where – we saw what happened with Trump and the Access Hollywood tape. Yeah. And he was elected. And even though he was obviously caught red-handed and and bragging about assaulting women. Yeah. And he got elected president, the most powerful leader of the totally free world. Totally mind-boggling on more levels than I can yes. even President of the United States. Um 
And on that alone, okay, and we, and everyone heard it, and it was all over the the news, and it was reported uh, on a twenty four hour loop, and he's still president. So I think that this. Once this came through with Harvey, we could do something about that. And I yeah. think people are, as they say in network, since we're in, we are in uh, you know in Hollywood, it is I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. And I think that's exactly what's happening now. People are coming out, and even the men that witnessed it, and they're mad at themselves that they didn't do anything about it. And you know, it is this kind of oh, it's culture, locker room talk. It's Hollywood, you know. And everyone is she fuckable? You know, I don't know. She's sexy enough. Would you fuck her? I don't know. That's- pretty much the language I hear in meetings. <laughs> you know, people say that. I mean, yeah. you know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, and I, and yeah. I'm not condemning anybody yeah, for saying course. that. You know, there is an element where, okay, we have, we're, we're selling this, we're putting this money, we need to, is she going to, you know, is he or she going to penetrate through uh, the screen and, you know, 40 feet high in the dark in a movie theater? Yeah. So those, the, to, to a degree, those are legitimate questions and yeah. the way in which they are articulated are not. Um, and, that part, I think, people, and it's one thing we can thank the millennials for. <laughs> <laughs> one thing. <laughs> no, there's many, many, yeah. many. I know we're going to get grief for that, but I do joke about it a lot. Uh, is this. I really – I love the way that they're kind of like, no, this is not okay. Yeah. And I've – in my own experiences, I, you know, just in life and living and being in the world, I mean, I, I was just thinking back on how many times – you know, things have been said to me or, you know, really inappropriate things, you know, attempts were made that are so not right. But I was just like, oh, yeah, whatever. You know, you just kind of brush it off because that's my personality, right? That's who I am. You know, I didn't think that much about it. But now when I go back, I was like, oh, my God, that was just so wrong. I was like 22 years old. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that's what I, you know, whatever. And you just realize it's just not right. And I think that this generation coming up is just not going to stand for it anymore. No, I think you're completely right. I think that the <clears throat> that that one of the – I mean, there's a lot of negatives that have come social media and and, and the, the way that, you know, a Medium post can get more attention than a New York Times front page story and so on and so forth. But – um, and we've seen that happen with the election, but there are also a lot of positives. And I think one of the positives is that these things don't get hidden anymore. You know, there's a there's a world in which ten years ago this story could have come out, and and it wouldn't have had the impact it has. But but uh, sometimes the wisdom of the crowd can actually be mm-hmm. intelligent. Uh, most of the time, not so much. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like Angie Everhart. You know, had that horrible incident. You know, I was sure I was in Cannes when that would have happened. But wait, tell us about that a little bit. So Angie Everhart, who was the still gorgeous, but was a huge model at that time, redheaded model, was can during the Cannes Film Festival, and she was sleeping on one of the yachts, which is a lot of the models do. You know, it's. Um, where people stay when they when they go to uh, the film festival often, um, and she awoke to Harvey masturbating to her, and you know she was like startled, and he said something to the effect, I think I'm paraphrasing here, uh, you know, you're a good girl, don't tell anybody about it, and she said, of course, she told everybody about it, he came all over the carpet, and then she's told everybody, told everybody at dinner, told them at this, and they all just, oh, that's just Harvey, that's just Harvey, so imagine that reality, yeah. that that you're sleeping, and you wake up, and that's what you see, so <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, she, there's a lot of people that did 
say it. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and now we realize with the benefit of time and more victims, you realize, oh, my God, you know, this is 30, maybe even 40 years of this stuff going on. But, but I do also think for the profession of an actor, it's a very lonely business. You know, you're alone. You you break your piggy bank and you come take the bus from Mississippi and you're the homecoming queen and the prettiest girl in your town and you move to LA and you're trying to go on auditions. There's not a community. There's not a Soho house for uh, actors without SAG cards where everyone can go and hang out and be together and commiserate. If anything, they're it's pitted Uber against each now. other. Yeah. yeah. They, they're all in a room. They have to do a sign. They're looking at each other, and they're all competing for the one part. So it's not this kind of – it doesn't create an environment that's going to be – that you feel so comfortable, you know, being forthcoming about what's happened to you. You you want to get the part. It's your profession. It's your job. Uh, there's no HR, basically. So I think if we can create – if the community can create some kind of safe place for that to happen, then it's a real win for us. And it also keeps the abusers in check because you know that this kind of behavior is not tolerated anymore and it allows the victims to feel like they can talk about it with someone and take action if they need to. Um, well, I, I, I hope you're right. And, it, and it's a really good point about the about the, the actors. You, you know, I – know people that are struggling to try to make it and and you know they they drive an uber and during the day and they do whatever they can on a youtube video at night and they go on their auditions and it's just them and um <clears throat> there's no there's as you said no hr department um last question on this topic and and then we'll switch switch gears a little um there's a there's a huge fear in in hollywood that from a lot of men, you know, this is all what people have been writing about that that they will be accused of something, or that they have done something, or mm-hmm. you know, that the whole thing is going to come tumbling down. Do you think that this is um, that we are going to see uh, um, a lineup of people? I mean, we've only had a really just had a couple so far. Do you think that there's going to be uh, numerous people's careers that will? end as a result of this um as 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 other stories come out or um or is this kind of just one big wave that that goes by that's a good question i think there's some careers that should come to an end that may or may not happen Mm -hmm. um that's what i will say on that do i think there's going to be more uh well there's certainly more there's many more you know but will Will it have the same velocity as as the Harvey or the same amount of people? I'm not sure about this. Uh, you know that that I'm not sure about because Harvey, it's over. Uh, you know, obviously he was very active, um, active predator. Uh, but I do think that there's tremendous momentum. Even two weeks later, like I said at the the top of this, we're still talking about it. Yeah, it's still making front page news. So I do believe that there's going to be more and more that's going to come out, and I think that there's a lot of probably people in this business that might be a little unnerved and not sleeping that well at night. Good. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this, I'm just done with it all. I'm done with the misogyny. I'm just done with it. It's like enough already. I mean, you look at the, like, let's get some more women. As someone said, like, we need, we need to have some more women in executive positions. Oh, com- completely. And then that would even have, 
you know, Nancy Dubeck wrote a really interesting piece about how, you know, she's often on, the only woman in a room, you know, and how, what that would look like if there was maybe one or even another woman in the room, like what that dialogue would be about. And I think that that's a really good place to start. I know we've been talking about this and, you know, the statistics are terrible. 4% of all movies are directed by women, whatever. Like, they're horrible statistics. So, you know, it feels like it gets a little bit better, and then it feels we slip back again. So I really hope that this ball keeps rolling downhill. It's interesting that this is happening uh, just a few months after Wonder Woman uh, and the conversation around the fact that there need to be more women directors and more women executives and the, the, the problems that, you know, uh, Patty went through when she was directing the movie and, and so on and so forth. And I, I think that um, it does feel like there is kind of a shift in the air. Uh, um, so hopefully... Uh, well, when I was talking to Reese Witherspoon when we did the Founders Fair, and she was saying a female has to have three hits to be taken seriously in Hollywood. And this is Reese Witherspoon, who has already won an Oscar, and she's been acting since she was in 11, and, you know... and commanded huge salaries and big box office star. And it's true. It's like a male, a guy directs a kind of a culty hit movie out of Sundance and he's offered a huge franchise film. Mm. A woman does that, disappears, does another one, disappears, does another one, does another one. It's like clawing her way. It's just the inequities are glaring. And, you know, Reese feels like, well, I finally have three now. I did Wild, I did Gone Girl, and I did Big Little Lies. So now I'm taken seriously. And it's just a different standard. It always has been. I just hope that there's a way in which that goes away. So you've been covering Hollywood for a long, long Mm -hmm. time. Um, And do you feel that – doesn't it feel like the whole thing is kind of going through putting aside the topic we just talked mm-hmm. about and Harvey and so on and so forth? Doesn't it feel like the whole thing's kind of being flipped on its head a little bit? A hundred percent. What do you what's going on? Give us like it's a like little... a shifting sands. It's, it's I feel like it's a it's one of those scenes out of um Raiders of the Lost Ark where they're like, Where's the you know, everyone is uh on unstable footing. And the thing that's so fascinating to me is, I, you know, it's funny. You look at Hulu, for example, and pre the Emmys, you know, you would people I would hear people going around to pitch their TV shows, and they'd be like, "Oh, we don't want to go to Hulu." And now Hulu wins the Emmy for, you know, *Handmaid's Tale*, and it's like everyone's like, "Oh, we want it to be Hulu now." And it feels like what can shift is is just one thing. Do you think that at the end of this kind of tumult or disruption? Um, that uh, that these studios that exist today uh, will still exist in the way that they do, or are they going to be completely kind of flipped on their heads as a result of the Netflixes and Amazons and YouTubes and, and so on and so forth? I mean, I think the studios will continue to exist, but I think it's going to be much, much different. And I, I think we're, in my humble opinion, we're a lot closer than anyone would admit to everyone just streaming to everyone being like Netflix, to Warner Brothers and everyone getting in the game. 
of doing that. So, you, so, so I won't have to go to the movie theater? I can just stream my movie? Or? Perhaps, or there's some other kind of configuration where the movie's an event and there's a different thing attached to it. And, there, you know, a lot of people enjoy those shared experiences, for sure. I mean, I love going to the theater and laughing with, you know, 250 people. I hate it. Everyone's eating yeah. popcorn behind me and then someone's on their phone and I just paid $45 to park my car and $75 for a bottle of water. Oh, you sound like, come on. Come on, you can movies. sit at home. You can, you have, it's $2 microwave popcorn. You don't have to park your car. Park your car? No, Who's you. driving a car? You should just be Ubering, Ubering. or lifting. Uh, I did Uber here, actually. Um, uh, I lifted. I prefer lift. You do prefer I prefer, lift. I like to, prefer, you know, help the yeah. little guy out. Yeah. Um, the little guy being worth $11 billion. I, mean, I think that no matter, it, it's, you take handmaid's, Tale, right? So, like a lot of people passed on it. Hulu made it. It was a great story. It, it resonated. It had incredible actors, and it was all anybody was talking about. So, I feel like people love those stories, just like Wonder Woman. Okay, Wonder Woman, you know, yes, a female director, yes, a female superhero, but it was a great movie. People loved it, you know, and people oh, want to go and it. take their kids. I took my two sons to see that movie, and I didn't mind everyone, you know, eating the popcorn with their mouth open and, and buying my kids really expensive Skittles and all the stuff that you're forced to do when you go to a movie theater. But uh, I love the shared experience of that. So I don't think that's going away, but I do think the studios are going to get into the streaming business. I really do. So what are you watching? What do I'm watching? I yeah. watch a lot of sports, which is probably you not do. the answer. You're a sports person? Yeah. I, I literally... It's football season. Right over my head. I showed right, me so a we- football and a tennis <laughs> racket, and I wouldn't know what to do with either of them. Yeah. Uh, no, what are you, are you watching on TV? What, well, what- these days I'm watching some of the things my kids are watching, and they love The Flash. The Flash? Is mm-hmm. that a TV show? It's a TV show, um, and uh, it's on one of the networks. Um, and the Supergirl, they like that. Cool. So we're kind of doing that. But I have to say, uh, we do this Friday night movie night. I haven't been invited and, yet. What's going well, on? Well, you should come on over. Uh, we will do where I will let my boys pick, and they're, they're 8 and 10, so I let them pick a movie, and we'll watch that on one night. Then the next night, the next Friday, I'll make them watch The Maltese Falcon, and then the next Friday. So I make them That's watch good. you know, older movies, classic movies, and then I'll watch the Lego Movie 3 for the, you know, how many, or Lego Movie for the third time or whatever it is. Uh, and et cetera. So I like to, I still like to watch old movies. I love to see that kind of stuff and things I haven't seen. Um, my favorite genre really is the Western, which is, I am from Colorado. So maybe that's kind of fitting. I'm trying to think about what I'm watching. Really, I'm watching a lot of MSNBC right now, Mm, (laughs) which I think everybody is. Don't do that. You got to turn it off. Turn on the sports. It's really brutal. Even though sports has been politicized too. So it's, it's, um, uh, but I expect it in sports a little bit. I mean, if you think about it, yeah, sports true. have always, since the Olympics were created, out of, out of politics. But I do find in Hollywood people are watching Rachel Maddow like Game of Thrones. Hmm. I mean, it is, it's a lot of conversation, uh, topic of conversation. So one of the things that I, I always like, like to ask people is um, if they can tell us a good story. Uh, and I'm sure you have lots of stories. Mm. You have any good stories you you can tell about? <laughs> good story about what? About something in Hollywood. About like an experience of a moment that you, I don't know, accidentally got stuck in an elevator with a celebrity and had to, you know, share a bottle of water. I don't know. Is it something good? You've got to have a good one. 
I have oh, lots of so many of them. I'm trying to think of um, the ones that I've had that you can actually tell to, to a, a listener of podcasts. Mm-hmm. Well, I, well, I will say one. I will tell the story that I think is. I mean, there's so many to tell. I mean, honestly, like I think about um, there's two. I'm looking at this picture right now that uh, photographer Jason Schmidt took of uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. It was, I think, the 20th anniversary of that. And I had to get the entire crew together of Fast Times. And I don't know if you remember that movie. I love that movie. Right. It was love a classic. It. Yeah. I do too. Loved it. So it was very important for me to get that movie, uh, to get that reunion shot together. And you have Phoebe Cates, you have Jennifer Jason Lee, you had Sean Penn, you had Eric Stoltz, you had Nick Cage. You had, so many people are in and that movie. And you had to get them shot for the magazine? for ha- Get them shot for the magazine for the Hollywood issue. So we used to do, every year we would do something different. And we would do a lot of reunions, like I did the reunion of Ordinary People, you know, a 20th anniversary, 30th anniversary, whatnot. So it was Fast Times at Richmond High. And we shot it at the Beverly Hills High School. And trying to put that together was, I think, probably a thousand phone calls, uh, emails, faxes, whatever we were doing back then. I think that was in 2002, maybe. I don't know, something like that. And I remember Sean Penn having to track Sean Penn down, and he was up in Northern California at the time, and calling and somehow getting his assistant's number and him getting on the phone. And it was that moment where your stomach kind of was like, oh, my God, it's Sean Penn. And, you know, since then I've interviewed, you know, but you never lose that kind of surge of adrenaline and nerves like, oh, my God, that's that voice on the other end of the phone and talking him into coming down to doing the shoot. And at the end of the day, I was like, Sean, do you really want to be the guy that says no, because everyone <laughs> said yes. And he kind of laughed, and he, he was exactly your reaction. He's like, no. And I was like, well, would you want a plane ticket? He's like, no, just rent me a car. Or I'll, I'll come down or whatever. So he came down, and it was that day. So this is all done, you know, weeks in advance, right? We're setting up these shoots. You need a lot of planning, a lot of production. And this is Annie Leibovitz taking No, this is Jason Smith. Oh, Jason, okay. And so he arrives – at least an hour early. So there's kind of panic. I, I feel it was like almost like an hour and a half early. And I remember my assistant coming running and just playing. She's like, Sean Ben's here. Sean Ben's here. I was like, what? What? He's not supposed to be here until 2 o'clock. And it was like noon. And he looked exactly like you would think he would look. And his black, that kind of black satin bomber jacket, jeans, white T-shirt, gorgeous, just, just Sean Penn perfection. And... I was like, Mr. Penn. He's like, Sean, Sean, Sean. I was like, okay. So I talked to him about like racing with the moon and a couple movies and how much I love this, the, his move fast times. And I was like, you know, you're early, right? And he laughed. He said, yeah, I was late every day to the set. And he goes, I wanted to make sure that I was on time for this photo shoot. So everyone would see me here and, you know, I could talk to everybody. That's it was really, really kind of funny. That's funny. Uh, That's a good one. Yeah. And then the other story is when I first moved out here, uh, I can't remember the circumstances, actually, but I was invited to a lunch, and David Geffen was there. And he had said to me, and I was brand brand new in L.A. and didn't know what, you know, it was like La Cienega and Sepulveda. I had to learn with Sepulveda and, you know, all those stupid yep. mistakes, Rodeo and I still have to call Rodeo. Yeah, I mean Rodeo. You know, all the yeah, L.A., yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Take Fountain, all that stuff. Uh, 
And he said, he's like, you want to learn, you know, I'll, I'll give you a tip to how to make it in Hollywood. Every day, look in the mirror and ask yourself, what are you pretending not to know? Hmm. And it took me a second, and I thought about that. And it's something I ask and I say all the time. That's a good one. Because it is kind of, what are we pretending not to know here? And it kind of goes back into what we were talking about earlier is, is Harvey and, you know, what are we as a community pretending not to know? Uh, but it's also about, is your script any good? Is this meeting it? Uh, what are you, because this is a dream factory. Um, I have uh, I have a good story. I'll tell mm-hmm. you real quick. Um, I know you're. I'm interviewing you, but I'll tell you. No, I, please. I won't. I'm not going to mention any names, but I I um, I have a few projects in Hollywood that you know stories that have so been I've optioned heard. and things like that. And um, and one person, uh, uh, one company that I was working with, I wasn't very happy with with, with um, when I was working with them, and I bumped into someone who was with. Uh, someone else um and they introduced me and and mentioned that this person had something to do with that company and i didn't know who it was because i was like new here i was like who is this person and i proceeded to completely bitch and complain about how pathetically the company was run and whoever was running it should you know fire themselves until i finally realized as my friend's eyes were widening and he was walking backwards is that the person standing in front of me was the person who ran the company. So <clears throat> that was my <laughs> my good screw up in Hollywood. He he was uh, he was pretty nice about it afterwards, mm-hmm. but it was uh, it was pretty funny. He probably appreciated that at least you were saying it in front of him. Maybe I know, he thought right? it was intentional. He probably had never had heard anyone say that to him before. Um, uh, well, listen, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Um, I do have one last question, which I sometimes ask people, um, which I figure, well, what the hell, I'll ask you. Um, it is um, – if you could go back in time 10 or 20 years and give your younger self a piece of advice, what would it be? Oh, my God. I know it's a, t- it's a difficult one. Some people have good answers. Some people not so much. I might have gotten into sports broadcasting. <laughs> okay. I would probably say – I mean it sounds like such a cliche, but we – we worry so much, you know, like I think um, maybe it's a female trade. I don't know. I think men worry probably just as much. So I'd, I would probably just say to myself not to worry so much and enjoy it a little bit more. That's a good one. I've heard that from a couple of people. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, Patty from uh, who, who did uh, Wonder Woman said something very similar. So that's a, a, a perfect note to end on. Thank you so much for taking the time. That's great. And I had so much fun. Thanks. Come on. Come back soon. Come of course. On. We'll, I'm we'll going to come back you. and hang out on we'll the share us, I'll, think, I'll think of some more <laughs> stories for you. All right. Cool. Thanks to my guest today, Krista Smith. If you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of Inside the Hive with Nick Bilton. You can find these on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review while you're there. Thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work and my editors at Vanity Fair. I'll see you all next week.